0: Well, if you had to describe the world in 2023 and in one word, the word that came to mind for me would be the word weary. Weary is defined by the dictionary as exhausted in strength, endurance, vigor, or freshness. But I'm not the only one who thinks that. Uh, each year, the New York Times does a photo essay, and they just, you know, have pictures from the year. And I was, as I was Looking through the internet, doing some research this week, I found that photo essay, and it was entitled this, 2023, A Weary World. The editor, Mark Lacey, wrote this. He said, this past year saw plenty of suffering before the the morning of October 7th. The war in Ukraine continued to rage. A wildfire tore through a historic town in Hawaii, and the earth shook violently in Turkey. Mass shootings took place after life after life after life then on october 7th Hamas gunmen stormed across the border of Gaza into Israel and Israel struck back with force across Gaza the suffering across the world seemed as if it would never end we live in a weary world a world that's given to violence suffering but not only is our world weary but many of our lives have become weary some of us are weary because we work really, really hard, and it seems like no matter how much we work, we never get ahead. Some of us are weary because we're struggling financially, and it's just been such a struggle for so long that it's just weighing on our souls. And with the inflation and the way the economy is going, it's, it's just weary on our souls. Some of us are weary because of sickness, maybe we're dealing with something really serious like cancer or cancer. Maybe we've had to have surgery and we're not able to do the things that we used to do. And there's just this heaviness, this weariness in our souls. Or maybe we're weary just because of the kind of the never-ending onslaught of these seasonal illnesses that seems like they just keep hitting us one after another after another. Some of us are weary with loneliness. We just feel like we're alone, and we long for community. We long for a feeling that we're connected with others, but we just don't feel it, and so we're weary. Some of us are weary with the uh, politics in our world, the increasing polarization. Some of us are weary with conflict, even within our own families. Some of us are weary, if we're honest, with people. Apologist Michael Ramsden spoke of a colleague that was in Asia, and he asked the people, so imagine peace. What does peace look like to you? And so they described peace as a beautiful alpine mountain. They described peace as a field with flowers and beautiful trees. Still another described a scene of a beautiful still lake. But after all of them described their mental picture of peace, what was in common to all of them is none of them involve people. Ramson commented, he said, Isn't it interesting when asked to imagine peace, the first thing we do is eliminate everyone else. It seems like wherever we turn in our world today, we're weary. 2023 is the year of a weary world. And for many of us in our own personal lives, that's the same thing. Yet although 2023 might be described as the year of a weary world, weariness didn't start in 2023. It started a long, long time ago, and the universe kind of began as a weary place. It's described in the book of Genesis as the earth being formless and void without purpose, without meaning, darkness covering the landscape. But God spoke a garden into existence. He, in essence, planted a garden. Have you ever planted a garden before? What happens when you plant a garden? You plant a garden and it's like you're always fighting against something. You're fighting against the weeds. You're fighting against, you know, maybe bad weather, not having enough water, having too much water. You know, maybe things like hail. You might be fighting animals that are about, you know, trying to eat your garden. But this garden that God planted was different. There was no frustration There was no hardship. Rather than fighting against us, the ground worked for us. All of creation was working together. And this garden teemed with life, with produce. Yet we all know what happened. Adam and Eve left this beautiful garden, the beautiful relationship with God that they have, ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there was a consequence from that. God's presence was kind of taken away in a sense. There was a distance now between God and man. And the consequence of that, you might say, was weariness. Look at what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 to 19. God said to the woman, I will multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And so to the woman, he says that there would be a weariness in terms of childbirth being difficult. He also talks about the weariness in terms of a struggle in the marriage relationship. And to the man, a weariness in work that no longer would the ground work for him, but now the ground and everything would fight against him. And also they experienced a different kind of weariness, shame. Separation from God. They used to spend time each day in the cool of the day, they would... Spend time with sweet fellowship with God. But all that changed. God showed up, but they were hiding. Afraid because of what they'd done. Then after that, they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Just penalty for what they've done. God's presence is is no longer as accessible as it once was. And things get out of hand pretty quickly. After that, we see that there's the first murder that ever occurs. We see that Cain murders Abel. Now we gloss over that because things like that happen every day in our world. But imagine Adam and Eve. They lived in this beautiful garden, perfect fellowship with God, no frustration, no violence, and now their worst nightmare has occurred. Not only is there death, but one of their kids is killing another. Imagine the weariness on their soul as they remember the height from which they had fallen. But now their world is unraveling. Now the world is becoming a place of violence, a place of chaos. And it gets worse from there. We go a f- several generations later and we get to a guy named Mo- Noah. And Noah was righteous. He loved God. But his heart was weary. And it says in the text of John, uh, Genesis chapter 6 that God's heart was weary because all the intentions of man's heart were evil. Mankind was given to violence. And so God brought the flood on on the earth and saved Noah and his family, started over, so to speak. But it didn't work. I mean, after that, they did the same thing. They tried to build a tower to reach the heavens generations later. Then God entered into a relationship with a man named Abraham. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness, but not all the promises that were given to Abraham were fulfilled. He Even at the end of his life, he remained a weary sojourner. He never got to the promised land. He never got all the promises that God had made to him. Eventually, Abraham's descendants ended up in Egypt and became slaves, and then they cried out to God. Why did they cry out to God? They cried out to God because they were weary. They were tired. Exodus 3, verse 23 says, During those days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. God led the Israelites out of slavery with this mighty hand and outstretched arm, brought these plagues on the Egyptians, parted the Red Sea. But then the Israelites get into the wilderness. They don't trust God. And so because they don't trust God, they don't have that strong relationship with God. Their hearts are driven once again to fear and to weariness. Numbers eleven, four to six says this, and the people of Israel also wept again and said, Oh, that we had meat to eat. We remembered the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there's nothing at all but this manna to look at. Their hearts are wearies because they have rejected God. Then they sat on the, the brink of entering the promised land, and many of them were weary because the inhabitants of the land were great and mighty and menacing. But God was with them. God brought them into the promised land, and finally they enter into the promised land, and God brought them judges to rule, to lead them. But they became weary with the judges. They said to themselves, we want a king who goes out and fights for us. We need someone who would be our representative to fight for us. And so they brought forward someone who was a man after man's heart. A king that everyone would choose. Just a beast of a man in King Saul. But he turned out to be a tyrant. He turned out to be violent. He turned out to be capricious. He turned out to turn people's hearts away from God. And so once again, people were weary. Then God brought a man after his own heart, David, to the throne. And that was kind of the heyday of of the Israelite monarchy. But even during that time, David did some pretty terrible things. His family was filled with violence and filled with uh, all of these difficult things. And even among the greatest king Israel ever had, there was a weariness. That the king that was put forward sometimes didn't lead the people to God. Then after that, it gets worse. Some of the kings kind of did some good things, and but by and large, the kings were just as bad as the people. They would lead the people away from God, often into idolatry, and the result would be they were weary. They didn't have life. They didn't have sustenance. It got worse and worse until Israel was split into two kingdoms, the kingdom of Israel and Judah. Then in 722 B.C., The kingdom of Israel was crushed by the Assyrians, sent into exile. 586 Judah was defeated by the Babylonians and taken into exile. And this was a really dark time in Israel's history as they're overtaken by foreign powers. And speaking of some of the events of that time, the author of Lamentations says this, We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we we get must be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no rest. We have, been given, we have given the hand to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. There's weariness there. Then there was attempts to build the temple. Eventually, uh, the temple was rebuilt despite opposition, despite intense weariness. But even after the temple was rebuilt, there was this feeling that this temple is not like the temple that once was. Like we've fallen from this great height. Israel never reached its heyday again. They faced opposition after opposition. It culminated in a man by the name of Antiochus Epiphanes who entered into the temple and offered uh, pig sacrifices in the temple, something that was detestable to Jews. And that was kind of the height of the downfall of Israel. And there was so much weariness, there was so much brokenness there. Eventually a man by the name of uh, Judas Maccabeus was able to overthrow Antiochus Epiphanes. But it wasn't that much better after that. After that they faced oppressor after oppressor in 63 BC. Uh, The Roman general Pompey conquered Jerusalem and Jerusalem became a state of um, Rome. After that, King Herod was put on the throne as kind of uh, the the leader of the city-state. King Herod didn't care about following God at all. All he cared about was himself. And he did some good things, like he rebuilt the temple. But again, he didn't care about the people. He didn't care about God. And the people are dealing with this weariness of having this foreign power that's over them and this weariness because it seems like God is far off. God hasn't spoken in over 400 years. The prophets are silent. And there's this heaviness in their souls, and into that context there's a group of shepherds out in the field keeping their watch over their flocks by night. And the Lord appeared to them and said, or the angel of the Lord appeared to them and said, This Fear not, for behold, I bring you news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. A king had been born. Of this king the prophet Isaiah said this, "For, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, prince of peace. The prince of peace had come. This king who, had, who was born was born for the weary. That those who accepted this king, who accepted the reign of God in their life, could experience this peace that passed all understanding. That the chaos that man had brought into the world would start to be unraveled. That God's kingdom would come among the affairs of man. And people's lives would be changed. A few decades later, after Jesus was born, Jesus would say these words. He said, come to me all who labor under heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my soul upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle, gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Then then just a few years after this, Jesus is going to be carrying a cross to Golgotha after being beaten and brutalized. He's going to be so weary that the Roman soldiers are going to get someone else to help him carry his cross. The nails are going to be put in his hands and in his feet. And he's going to hang on the cross until exhausted, so weary, he breathes his last. And he's going to do that so that you and I could rest. So that a weary world could rejoice. The author of Hebrews actually speaks of entering into heaven as entering into God's rest. Now it would be nice to think that as history has gone along that the world has become less weary, but that's not the case. We live in a world that's so broken, a world where there's wars and rumors of wars, where there's political and ideological divisions, where there's conflict sometimes within our own families, within our own friends technology that often makes us more depressed and anxious but the good news of christmas is we can have peace it's a peace that's not for everyone and that not everyone will realize this peace it won't be realized by the whole world it'll only be realized by those who accept the rule of god in their lives Jesus didn't come to bring temporal earthly peace. That's why he'll say later in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, do not think that I've come to bring peace on the earth but a sword. But what does the angel say in Luke chapter 2 verse 14? He says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. Those who accept his rule. It's not a universal peace. It's a peace that only can be found among those who submit to the manger king. It's also a different peace than the world offers. Jesus said in John chapter 14 verse 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. What type of peace does the world offer us? The world offers us circumstantial peace. That is, if your circumstances change, then you can have peace. If the war in Israel and Ukraine uh, comes, if if there's peace there, then you can kind of rest that there's peace on earth. You know, when your relationships are going well, when you have a good relationship with your spouse, then you can have peace. When you've saved up a lot of money, you have a, a, a buffer in your bank account, you can have peace then. When you have good health and everything's going well, then you can have peace. That's the kind of peace the world offers. That if your circumstances are going well, You can rest. But Jesus offers us a different kind of peace. In fact, he doesn't really offer us peace. He offers to be our peace. He he doesn't offer us just a change in circumstances. He offers to be our peace. And so for those of us who are struggling today, Jesus offers a peace that transcends circumstances. For those struggling with anxiety, Jesus is our security. To those struggling with our finances, Jesus is our provision. For those struggling with our health, Jesus is our healer. For those struggling with guilt, Jesus is our righteousness. For those struggling with despair, Jesus is our hope. To those struggling with addiction, Jesus is our strength. To those struggling with weariness, Jesus is our rest. He offers us a different kind of peace than the world offers. It's not a circumstantial peace. He offers to be our peace and to be our all in all so that we can rest in Him no matter what happens in this world. To sum it all up, at Christmas time, Jesus offers us, God offers us, a peace that comes with presence. God offers us a peace that comes with presence. And we see this throughout the scriptures. When someone is dealing with something difficult, whether that's maybe a difficult task that they have before them or enemies that are coming against them, God doesn't always say, hey, those enemies are going to be vanquished. He doesn't always say, I'm going to fix your circumstances. But what he does always say is, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. Look at what he says in Genesis chapter 26, 24. To, to Abraham, God it says, Fear not, for I am with you. In Exodus 3, verse 11, it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But he, speaking of God, said this, But I will be with you. To Joshua, who was struggling with fear and insecurity and taking the mantle from Moses, God says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God speaks to Israel through the prophet Isaiah and says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand prophet Jeremiah speaking the words of God says, they will fight against you but they shall not prevail against you for I am with you declares the Lord to deliver you. Haggai 2.24 says, yet now be strong O Zerubbabel declares the Lord. Be strong O Joshua son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong all of you people of the land declares the Lord. Work for I am with you declares the Lord of hosts. Zephaniah 3.17 says, the Lord your God is in your midst. Of mighty one who will save you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. Judges 6, 15 to 16 says, And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Speaking of Gideon, Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And finally, and this is the key for tonight, Isaiah 7, 14 says, And he said, Hear then, O house of David, Is it too little for you to weary men, that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. When Jesus comes to the earth as a baby boy, born in the major, God is declaring, I'm with you. You don't have to be afraid. You can find rest. You can find peace because Emmanuel has come to you. God's presence brings peace. And we can experience that peace today, a peace that comes with presence. And so tonight, despite all the things that are going on in the world despite the things that may be going on in our life, we can have peace. That a weary world can rejoice. Many of us come to this place weary. We're tired. Jesus is our rest. He is our peace. And we can have joy even in the midst of weariness. Think about two scenarios for me for just a moment. Imagine that you were asked to do a project for work and you had to get up at 4 a.m. to work on that project. Now, some of you maybe work night shifts, and for you maybe that's sleeping in. But for the rest of us who, you know, maybe work at more of a 9 to 5, getting up at 4 a.m., you'd be tired. And if you had to get up to do a project like that, you'd probably be like, "Oh, oh, I'm so tired, like, and maybe you're, you know, complaining, like, why do I have to do this? There's other people that don't have to do this. Like, this is too early. I shouldn't have to work this early. But imagine the same circumstance. Imagine you have to get up at 4 a.m., but instead of doing work, you have to get up at 4 a.m. because you're about to go on a plane to go to Hawaii for a dream vacation that you've been hoping to go on your whole life. That changes your, your mindset, right? I mean, you're, you're ready to go. You get up and, you know, you're still just as tired you know, but you probably have a smile on your face. You're excited. Maybe you get there, you're too excited to even go back to sleep, to sleep on the plane because you just can't wait to get there. Think about kids. Imagine tomorrow morning, you get your kids up at 5 o'clock in the morning and say, hey, we're going to clean the garage. <laughs> what, what would be their response? They would be like, I'm so tired. Like, I can't do this. Like, I want to go back to bed. But what's going to happen tomorrow morning? They're going to be getting you up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And they're going to be like, let's go downstairs. Let's open up the presents. I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same time you're getting up. But they're going for the presents. They see the presents. And it's like, I'm not so tired anymore. And Christmas is a reminder that we've been given an incredible gift in Christ. And in this world, Paul says that the world is groaning. We're not going to always experience peace in this earth. We'll never experience total peace on this earth. But even in this weariness, as we're experiencing things that are difficult, we can rest and have joy in God. Because his presence has come near. And in Christ, he's declared once and for all that God is for us. God is with us. Christmas is a very special night. A special holy night a holy night in which a weary world can finally rejoice because God is with us. O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It's the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appears and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees, oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine, oh, night when Christ was born. Oh, night, oh, holy night, oh, night divine. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for the gift you've given us at Christmas time. That because of your presence among us, because of Emmanuel, God with us, we can rest in you. Lord, we come to this place, many of us are weary with all the things that are happening in our world, happening in our lives, but we know we can rejoice because you're doing good things, because your presence is near us, that we have a relationship with you that starts in this life that goes on into eternity. Help us this Christmas time to find our rest in you. In the midst of busyness, in the midst of obstacles, in the midst of All of these things that might frustrate us, Lord, help us to find our rest in you. Help us to know that you're for us. For anyone here who maybe hasn't accepted you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day that they find that peace that's found in the presence of the baby that was born in the manger, that they'd find that peace that passes all understanding, that transcends circumstances, that you would be their righteousness, that you would be their provider, that you would be their healer, That you would be their delight, their treasure, Lord. Lord, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for Christmas. Help us in these moments that follow just to spend some time in your presence, meeting with you. And as we do so, Lord, I just pray that your peace would just flood through our hearts. In Christ's name I pray, amen.